as I was writing his character, encountering this citywide bird issue. <laughs> Can we say it's an avian catastrophe? Is this like... It's an avian catastrophe. That's a great word for it. Boom. <laughs> Nailed it. Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast. I'm Ellie Pyle. I'm Angelique Rocher. And I'm Judy Stevens. Judy. I'm back! Judy Stevens! Oh my god, I'm so excited to be back, guys. It's been a an interesting year, to say the least, but I'm so ready to get back on this Women of Marvel train with both of you amazing ladies. Yeah. Okay, so everyone's talking about it online, on Twitter. I see it all the time. Our episode today is related to an amazing video game that just came out. Right, Angelique? Ha <laughs> ha! Yes! All right, so I got to contain myself. So yes, Marvel's Miles Morales Spider-Man was just released in November on PS4 and PS5. It's incredible. I've played through it once. I'm playing through it again. And because it's a Marvel story, there's so much intent and so much coolness around the game that the game has an official prequel novel called Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales Wings of Fury. It's basically a lead up to the adventures Miles has in the game. And the novel was written by the fantastic Brittany Morris. And that's who I'm talking to today. I can't tell if you can tell that I'm geeked out, but I totally am. Brittany seems like a really incredible human. Yo, she really is. Like, I love talking to her and our conversation has really, really stuck with me. I mean, we talked about her best-selling YA novel from 2019 called Slay. And of course, we got into her new Miles Morales book. It's kind of a book about, you know, finding your place in the shadow of somebody who you look up to so, so much. And also figuring out what kind of Spider-Man Miles wants to be. And what it was like getting an email asking if she'd be interested in writing a Miles Morales book. And I just about threw my laptop and was like, excuse me, what? Is there any other answer to this than yes? What is this? I was like, do you know me at all? Yes. <laughs> and of course, we got to talking about our favorite games from the 90s. And oh, one more note. We recorded this before the game came out. So you're going to hear a lot of hype. Okay, I am all in. Let's deep dive. We have such an amazing guest who is here on Women of Marvel with us today. It is Brittany Morris. Thank you so much for being with us here on Women of Marvel to chat some nerdy stuff. Thanks for having me. This is super exciting. So you are a best-selling writer. You have made time to talk to us today. I am very excited, but I want to I want to go back. I want to take it a little bit back because you've such an interesting background. Have you always known you wanted to be a writer? And there's a reason why I'm asking this, because you do not have a degree in the English. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, I I wanted to be a writer ever since I found out one could make a career out of writing. So that was around the fourth grade. My teacher assigned us a journal entry, and I my childhood was not the friendliest, like, I was going through abuse at home. I was getting bullied at school. And so when my teacher said, write a daily journal about what's going on in your life, I was like, so I'm just going to make up characters and write about something else. Just I'm just going to make it fiction. <laughs> and so I just did. And she came up to me the next day and was like, this is actually really, really good. You know, you should consider doing this. And then I said, you can do this for money. Like people like adults do this for money. And she said, yes. <laughs> 
And from then on, I knew I wanted to be a writer. Somewhere around the like late high school like part of my life, somebody convinced me to major in something, quote, marketable, read valuable to the capitalist hellscape, uh, read scientific, read mathematical, read uh, something corporations want. Uh, and so I switched to pursuing economics as a degree because it was pretty versatile. It told people I was good at math. It would allow me to go into something that would make me some money somewhere, I hoped. And so that's my, why my degree is in economics. Hated every minute of it. Uh, wrote the whole way through college. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to get a book published anyway. You know, the funny thing is, I was I was talking with our Women of Marvel producer before the show and, and making... Uh, Economics is not easy. I want to be very clear, and 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 hopefully my econ teacher never listens to this. But I literally went to his office in tears because my brain could mm. not grasp. It could grasp anything else, but I was like, I don't. None of these numbers are real. These are all projections, <laughs> and they're all flawed. I don't. So doing that is like. Kudos. Thank you. So, okay. So you, you get started in fourth grade. You write this journal. You write all the way through high school. You clearly, and, and I think this is one of the things that I love. I've heard this great quote, like, a writer who doesn't read really, like, isn't a writer. Um, every writer that I know is a voracious reader. Um, and and in, in the same way where I produce and so I study everybody else's shows and podcasts and how that goes together. You know, for you, what is fourth grade, fifth grade, high school Britney reading? Good question. So so I mentioned, like, my childhood not being the friendliest. Um, it was also pretty tyrannical at home. All we were allowed to take in media-wise was religious material. So it all had to be related to the Bible, related to Christianity. We were mostly watching, like, G and PG rated movies through high school. So... I didn't get a lot of exposure to like the classics or even like, you know, the the Newbery Medal winning books in my library that I that looked fun. A Wrinkle in Time passed me by. Harry Potter passed me by. So I really wasn't all that interested in reading as a kid. Like, which yeah, I know. Blasphemy. And then when I got to college and I was reading nothing but economics textbooks the whole time, I was just sitting, gritting my teeth like, I am never reading another book again. As soon as I graduate, I'll show everybody I'm never reading another thing ever again. <laughs> and so I swore off reading, thinking somehow I was going to be, you know, the one published best-selling author that didn't pick up a book. And so I continued writing and everything, and I continued playing video games. That was actually where I took in most of my stories and some of the most incredible narratives I've ever experienced. But then when I graduated and, you know, a few years later, I encountered the book The Hate You Give in a bookstore in New Orleans. And I was stuck waiting for a flight, and I was like, I have nothing to do. Let me just get a book. So I picked up this book and I had no idea what had been going on in young adult. Young adult wasn't even like really a thing when I was growing up. And so I realized what the topic was and I was like, this is what people are writing about now. Like, this is amazing. This is a story about something I can relate to. Like, this is, this is something I want to read. And so I read that book and that turned me back on to reading. And I was like, okay, I need to look at what else is in here. <laughs> 
So now I have fallen back in love with reading. I love it. And I think it's it's so interesting because mine was the flip, right? I read a lot of books. Michael Crichton, Robin Cook, Melanie Ron. My sister was a voracious reader. And so I would just like get books from her. And I love to read. And as I got older, when I started studying TV, um, when I started studying movies, I was just like, and then I went to law school and I was like, oh no, I'm done. I just, this reading thing is exhausting. But I, I absolutely get it. I love that journey. But I love also you brought up that you learned this concept of narrative from games, which I think people really sleep on the story part of some of our favorite games. And that's really like been highlighted through, you know, Marvel Spider-Man for PS4. That's really been highlighted through a, a game we're gonna talk about in a second that I'm trying to keep my all my energy and happiness like bottled up till we get there. <laughs> and so I kind of want to switch over now, like for you, you know, you're an accomplished writer, but you're also an avid video game player and you've actually written for video games, which is dope. <laughs> How did you, in all of this, that you're saying, how did you get into gaming? When I was younger, somehow my parents ended up getting us a GameCube. Like they were okay with that because they were like, Nintendo is the safe one. This was back when consoles were like $100 a piece and they all came with a free game. So we got Super Mario Sunshine free. And that was like the first like story game that I played through where it was like there's an actual plot there's an overall objective like that you know it's open world and so I fell in love with that game it's still one of my favorites to this day for nostalgia reasons they let us play a few other child-friendly games like that throughout high school and then when I got to college I didn't have a console my brother had taken the GameCube so I got into watching Let's Plays yep and that was how I was able to take in like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different games. But a lot of the indie games I used to play in college felt like I was actually reading, like playing a book. And I feel like a lot of parents missed that. Like my parents had no idea. <laughs> and it's interesting. Like I always joke and say my first game really was like this. We used to rent from Blockbuster, like I'm aging myself, but you know, we had an NES. My sisters had an Atari. You know, for some reason, my parents were those people like, you know, so we had the Atari. Of course, we had Star Wars, obviously, because and we had Pong. That's, you know, there was only so many games. But I started my video gaming playing Math Rabbit. Oh. So my first video game, I really remember, was an old school Mac on a floppy disk, Math Rabbit and Reading Rabbit, and, and getting the rabbit to do a thing. Like, that was, you were like, okay, I got to get this math problem right so I can make the rabbit do a thing. Yeah. And so I think it's just so interesting because there is really so much thought and so much storytelling that goes into some of our favorite games. And we all kind of start in these different places. But I say all that to say, like, for you, was there like one character or one system that you were like, okay, I not only love games, I want to write, I, I want to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I think I can pinpoint the exact moment, too. It is a spoiler for a very old game, but it's it's a very important moment. So have you heard of the game Popo and Yo? Yeah. Yay! You're like the first person who heard of that game when I talk about it. Everybody else is like, what is that? I can't promise that I remember playing it, but That's yes. Right. So um, I saw, I watched a Let's Player play it, and 
it's a game about an eight-year-old boy in Brazil, and he happens to be black, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. Like, I hadn't really seen much of that at that point, so I was very happy. And then you play as him, you run around, you manipulate your environment, so if you pick up, you know, a series of boxes and move them, you you can pick up a corresponding house and move it so that you can run across the rooftops and get to where you need to go. So there's a lot of like really cool innovative stuff that I hadn't seen before. And in the game, you interact with this 40 foot monster named Monster, who is pretty docile the whole game until he encounters a frog. And if Monster eats a frog, he'll turn into a flaming demon that tries to come and kill you. And so you're interacting with this thing that helps you get through your environment, but also can be terrifying in the blink of an eye. And there's a moment in the game where you figure out that this monster has been an allegory for this boy's father and the frogs have been an allegory for alcohol. And once I put that together, I was like, this game just completely changed and I love it. And this is amazing. Like, and then by the end of the game, you have to let go of the memory of monster and move on with your life. Like the memory of him and all of the stuff. And then the ending credit music starts. And that moment I was like, I want to write for video games one day. That's amazing to make people feel like that. That's what I mean when I say like indie games that get slept on. I was, I was blown away. Wow. It's so interesting to me just thinking about that and then also being like, man, you know, these games are out there. There are stories to be told and stories to be experienced. And after talking about all of these other games, like, do you have a favorite type of game that you like to play? Oh, that's a good question. Because I love to watch people play horror games. Mm. I find it hilarious. <laughs> you, that's not cool. No. I just look happy to people get scared. If I will if it is a zombie game, or I used to play Dracula on Sega, which was great. Bram Stoker's Dracula on Sega was a really hard game. Anybody remembers it, you you'll understand. But beyond that, those other games, you know what I'm talking about. No. No, I don't even want to watch somebody else watching. No, no. Mm-mm. But no. it's so funny. People get so scared. It's hilarious. It's endlessly hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so you like watching other people play yes horror games what do you like for you <laughs> if you're gonna pick up a controller what are you playing i like the open world adventure games and like puzzle games so have you played um, toad's puzzle quest i have not <gasps> it's on I the weed thank you <laughs> it's one of my favorite that and Typo Man. Have you played Typo Man before? I have played Typo Man. I loved Typo Man. <laughs> oh, I'm still stuck on the sorceress and I gotta like sit down and like get past her. Anyway, enough about that. The other question like I really wanted to ask is like, you actually started a creative writing club. Yeah. So you're you're this econ major who's watching a lot of video games and you one day in your massive amount of writing, just decided you were going to start a club? So I've been a NaNoWriMo participant every year, National Novel Writing Month. Every November, the challenge is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. And I started doing that, I think when I went to college was when I started doing NaNoWriMo. And when I got to college, I was like, 
I'm not I'm not really like meeting other people who like to write much less have an interest in writing a novel in a month and this was kind of I think this was kind of before like they made it so easy on the website to like connect with your local chapter and like do meetups and write together in coffee shops and whatnot so I was like I want to meet other people on campus who are interested in writing like there has to be there have to be people on campus who are like also going home after school and get hurrying through their homework so they can get to their novels. And so I went to the head of the College of Arts and Sciences and I was like, can I fill out a form or something and start a club? And they were like, sure, here you go. And then I found my little handful of people and we had a ton of fun. Uh, we used to meet weekly. We used to do like writing workshops. Um, I used to organize these like really funny writing exercises where First, we would do like a coffee shop exercise where you had to pick a character or invent a character. It can be one of your characters or a character from, you know, society and have them sit in a coffee shop and then have something happen. Somebody else walks in, somebody spills a drink, somebody falls on the floor, something catastrophic. And then we would swap characters and someone else would add a character to your story. So it got really funny. I love that. That's actually how I got into writing my first fan fiction. Me and my best friend would pass the paper. Like you'd get a paragraph to a page. You had to get the story back. Yep. And you couldn't be mad. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of times I got mad though. <laughs> I believe it. It's like, why is, why are we going this way? Why is this happening? Cause you know, there's always that one person. There is. I was that one person in D&D. Like, I almost got kicked out because the dungeon master was like, okay, you that doesn't exist. Can you? Because, okay, here's what they told me. They just told me we all had to pick a familiar. So we had to pick an animal. We had to give a superpower or like a, some kind of magical ability. And we had to give it a name. I'm going to go with a Portuguese man of war. I'm going to have it fly. And I'm going to name it Pasta. And they were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Get that out of here. We... <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. I, I don't know how this D&D &D is played. I am learning in 2021. That is that is on my list of, of things to learn. Nice. But uh, I I hear I hear that's that sounds right, right to me. It's like I might as well go all the way out there. <laughs> all right. So speaking of games, because now we know you also like tabletop. Uh, you are clearly passionate about the gaming community and making it inclusive. Uh, and that includes including deadly animals, <laughs> I see now. <laughs> In your debut book, Slay, uh, just what last year, because you know, what is time? Right. It is actually about a teen game developer who is intent on making a safe community for black gamers. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration there and, and how that continues to also feed your work? Absolutely. So... The inspiration for Slay actually goes all the way back to my childhood. Not only was my childhood not super friendly, I was the only black kid at my school for most of it. And one of the only black kids in my entire town. I grew up in Corvallis, Oregon, where nothing happens. If you like football, stuff happens. If you don't like football, nothing, nothing's happening. So I kind of became, as a kid, I kind of became like the resident black culture expert at my school. Like, all the kids expected me to, like, have eaten the right foods, listen to the right music, be able to explain my hair. Like, they they had this perception of what I was supposed to be as the black girl in the class. And I didn't fit a lot of that. Uh, and so I grew up thinking, like, am I just unqualified to be black? Like, 
I feel like I was like I feel like I'm too black for my white friends and I'm too white for my black friends like because of the way I talk and everything I was like this is confusing what is going on and I really didn't like acknowledge that like racial limbo that I was growing up in because I didn't know there was a problem I was just a kid trying to fit in until I got all the way to college and through college and went natural with my hair and realized just how political that was in itself and, you know, went through multiple corporate jobs and everything. And then I went to see Black Panther opening night. And that was the first time where I walked into a room full of black people and I didn't feel this pressure to be like, you know, to know certain things or be able to like hold conversations about certain topics and like it was enough to just walk in, cross my arms, say Wakanda forever, and I was in. Like it was that simple. Like all of a sudden I was black enough and I was like, this is amazing. At the end of the movie, I was like, I have got to go back to Wakanda. Like somebody has to make a Wakanda simulator video game. And three days after the movie came out, I became like viscerally upset that nobody was talking about making a Black Panther video game. And so I said, okay, I've got to do something about this. If I don't know how to program a video game, I'm going to write a book about someone who does. <laughs> and so that was where the inspiration for Kira and her story came out. I have to take a moment. Uh, I've never gotten emotional like this in an interview, but you literally just read my whole life. Uh, um, no, I get like 100% get you. Um, yeah. I, I different circumstances, but you know, <laughs> I do. There are not many of us that listen to, you know, garbage and Lords of Acid and all those other things that I listened to in <laughs> high school um, or Eve six. For me, it was the fray. Yes, the fray. <laughs> Such a good band. All right. Yes. So you get so it. So good. Oh, give me a second. Okay. Yes. All right. So let's talk about another thing that's going to make me emotional. Um, so from this, you are now writing one of the most beloved characters uh, in the Marvel Universe. You know, how did you first get into Marvel? Let's talk about that story. And then also, particularly, is the Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales? Great question. So I think, I mean, I was kind of into Thor because reasons... I, I hear uh, <laughs> all those reasons and I second them and then I add you a Tessa Thompson. Continue. Um, so, yeah, was kind of already into Thor and Iron Man 2, actually. But Black Panther was really the first movie where I was like, I think I really, really like superhero movies. <laughs> like, if this is the direction they're going with this, I love it. And then there was Captain Marvel, which I loved and everything. And then... When Into the Spider-Verse came out, I was like, okay, this is this is my second favorite movie of all time, I guess. <laughs> so it was Black Panther and Into the Spider-Verse. And so to get to write the Miles Morales character was just a dream come true. I remember I got that email from my agent, I think, in March. And she was like, hey, do you have any interest in writing with Marvel for Miles Morales? And I just about threw my laptop and was like, excuse me, what? Is there any other answer to this than yes? What is this? I was like, do you know me at all? Yes. <laughs> so she she hooked me up with Davey at Titan Books. And they were like, you know, what story would you want to tell for Miles Morales? And they, they just, they basically just said, like, start from scratch. What do you want to write? And so I'm sitting there 
going, okay, this character is so beloved and so incredibly huge. He is, you know, the the kind of next generation Spider-Man. He's, his journey is one of self-discovery. Like his journey is so nuanced. He's biracial. He's living in Brooklyn and then living in Spanish Harlem. So his story is so complex and interesting. And I was not going to lie. I was a little bit intimidated. I was like, do they know who I am? Like, are they sure they got the right person? (laughs) And like, I'm looking at, you know, Jason Reynolds over here with the other young adult Miles Morales book. And I'm like, how am I supposed to follow that? What am I, you know, I was really freaking out. I really, really, really wanted to do right by fans of Miles Morales. And so when I came up with the story, I was really, really pleased with it. And I sent it to them, you know, hoping they would agree. And they did. And yeah, we've been working on it ever since. It's been a dream come true, honestly. So now you've got the new book, Wings of Fury. It's the official, I love saying that, it's the official prequel for a brand new game that so many people are so excited for, including this human right here, uh, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yes, it's beautiful. So now, without giving too many spoilers away, give folks who are listening a little bit of what the premise is for this book that you pitched and now you've written and now is about to be out in the world. So, uh, in Wings of Fury, Miles has just moved to Spanish Harlem with his mom and grandmother. Um, This is a few months after he lost his father in the first game. So this book takes place between the two games. And he's just trying to find his place in the world. Uh, School's about to start. He's trying to, you know, still navigate his new powers and everything. And then Vulture shows up with his granddaughter Starling. Like he does. And they wreak this havoc on the city with this bird technology. That's all I'll say. Uh, So it's kind of, you know, classic Spider-Man versus villain and then apprentice versus apprentice. So you've got Peter as Spider-Man and then you've got Miles Morales as Spider-Man and then you've got Vulture as techie bird villain and Starling as new techie bird villain. And so it's kind of a book about, you know, finding your place in the shadow of somebody who you look up to so, so much. And also figuring out what kind of Spider-Man Miles wants to be. There's an incident where he gets caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he is seen as a villain out of costume. And he and Peter have this whole conversation about, you know, how am I supposed to be a hero if people see me as a villain when I'm in plain clothes? Like, if I was in costume, I would have been in the right place at the right time. But because of how I look out of costume, it was the wrong place at the wrong time. So those kinds of conversations I got to incorporate into this book. I'm just, I'm really, really excited about the whole thing. (laughs) I love that. I also love that there's lots of avian technology. There is. Because I get to use the word (laughs) avian. Oh my God, there's so many bird puns in this book. (laughs) I just need you to know that we're going to be best friends after this interview because (laughs) girl loves a good pun. Yes. So, okay. So I love this and it kind of goes into the next question I had. There are a lot of aspects of Miles' character that are very distinct to Miles, right? 
Um, this idea, particularly in the situation you laid out right there, which is like this idea that Miles is Afro-Latino and he's from New York. And that comes with its own very unique set of challenges when you're thinking about being a superhero of color. And I think, you know, it's such an interesting way to also bring out his culture, whether that's New York, whether that's the Afro part of the Latinx or both sides, especially when you're thinking about Spanish Harlem. You know, for you, what aspects of Miles's character stood out? And then, you know, what did you want to make sure made its way into the book? So I knew I wanted to incorporate his his relationship with his dad and the line that his dad left him with, which is, I'm no superhero. I'm just a guy who doesn't give up. And that story of like diligence and perseverance, despite all odds, really, really resonated with me as I was writing his character, encountering this citywide, you know, bird issue. (laughs) Can we say it's an avian, is it an avian catastrophe? Is this like... It's an avian catastrophe. That's a great word for it. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> um, dealing with this, this citywide avian catastrophe across all neighborhoods. And so at the same time, he's like, you know, how am I supposed to handle this? I'm just one guy and I'm still learning. And, you know, am I learning too slow? Am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? How do I make Peter proud? And also like, he doesn't want to be like discount Spider-Man or like the baby Spider-Man or like he has to wrestle with all of that. And I knew I wanted that like identity crisis kind of wrestling to come through and also for him to be reconciling, you know, the memory of his dad and how he wanted to make his dad proud too. So there were a lot of different angles that I came at this character. (laughs) You know, I love it because now you've kind of married two of your loves, uh, which is writing and gaming. How did your love for gaming play a part in writing this book? And Actually, like, what part of that love are you most excited to infuse into the story? I mean, I had seen um, several Let's Plays, actually, of the first PS4 game. And I loved, like, just how many different subplots there were in everything, how many different suits there were. Like, there's just so much content in the first game. And I was just, I, I was just blown away. The web slinging was also super smooth. I knew I wanted this book to be executed with just as much finesse. I mean, they made web slinging look almost like a dance in the first game. And I knew I wanted that kind of like graceful execution in this book. So even just like the care I took into writing the action scenes and still making it smooth and not bogged down with like the mechanics of it. I really, you know, took great care to make it feel like you're reading a game. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's state the obvious. Miles has a game. Yes. Uh, so without spoiling anything, one, have you had a chance to play it? And two, what are you most excited for um, players to get a chance to experience in the game? So I have not had a chance to play it yet, but I... I am privy to some knowledge about the game and I'm really, really excited to see what they do with Miles figuring out what he can do as Spider-Man. And I think that's all they'll let me say. Oh man, I can't ask any more questions. Okay. 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 I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get any spoilers out there, but 
before we get the game in our hands, we will have a chance to read the prequel. Um, and for you, like we've we've talked about the character art, the building, the the amazing fight scenes, all this really cool stuff. But like as a personal like want, love, desire, what do you hope readers get out of this book? I just want them to have fun. Honestly, that's what I want at the end of the day. I want an experience that lets them feel like they're reading a video game that makes them feel like they're playing a video game that makes them feel like they're getting even more content from the first game and that, you know, they're having an appetizer for the second game. I just want them to enjoy it. And I, you know, I have so much respect for Marvel fans and I just hope at the end of the day I did right by them and that they're happy with what I did with the character. You know what? I could not have found a better way to have ended this conversation. Brittany, thank you so much for making the time and coming in. I cannot wait for people to get their hands on this incredible book. I've had so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Brittany Morris for that amazing conversation. And if you want to keep up with Brittany, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Brittany M. Morris. And her book, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, Wings of Fury, is out now. I literally have my copy right next to me in my hand. You can get this amazing, amazing book wherever books are sold, including digitally, which is pretty cool. And Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales is available for PS4 and PS5. We've got a link in our show notes with more info. So, Angelique, you're a huge gamer. How do you feel about books coming out with games? Does this expand the experience for you to be able to spend more time with these characters? I think the coolest thing is, like, obviously for those who play games, like, you realize that there are different types of games. Judy's also a huge gamer. I, I need some <laughs> Animal Crossing lessons, and it's a whole other conversation. But, um, <laughs> like, it's really it's really dope because, like, growing up playing games in the 80s and 90s and, like, understanding Sonic and then getting, like, the animation later or, like, playing the X-Men game for the first time but also knowing the backstory. It's pretty cool, right? And so now, like, understanding that there's this huge ecosystem around a character but then there's also a huge ecosystem around that character's story in the game is just so neat. Like, it's, I think it's, like, one of those things that reminds me of fanfic we used to write when it came to whether it was a game or a novel or a comic book where we're like, I want more of the story and, and now you actually already intrinsically get more of the story which is really dope yeah i mean i grew up playing computer games in the 90s on windows 95 so uh and i it was a huge tomb raider fan there was a titanic game that i played and i just wanted there to be so much more than there was so it's kind of amazing especially with a character like miles who really has, you know, set himself in, in the hearts and minds of everyone right now. He's such a great character. You know, you can play him on PS4 or PS5, or you can, you know, give this book to someone who may not necessarily have, like, a PlayStation. It's it's great that these characters are just so part of our, everything about our lives now. It's a, I just love it. 
And that's one of the ways you can recognize a really strong character is that they can move between these different writers and these different mediums and always feel like themselves. And Judy, exactly like you were saying, if you've got a friend who's not a gamer, you can still share the thing that you love and are into with them by giving them the book or giving them the comic. Saladin's run on Miles Morales is a lot of fun right now. It's really good. And the end of the ultimatum story is coming up. So we'll have to see how that's all going to play out. I might have heard some secrets about that. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut. It's one of those one times where I might know a thing. And I feel so it's Ellie, I'm in your place. I'm in a place where I'm like, (laughs) I can't tell anyone. Oh, but wait until you all see. Because like, honestly, like when you think about that book, the art by Javier Guerron, but then you've also got Jason Reynolds's YA book. Justin Reynolds is doing a graphic novel, Miles Morales. Like, there's just so much cool stuff. Um, and Brittany's book is just another amazing part of that ecosystem. And I can't wait for folks to read it. But of course, we all need time to do things that aren't just reading about these characters that we love. So Judy, talk to me about puzzles. Talk to me about this new obsession. Yeah. So if you follow me on social media, you know that I have purchased a lot of puzzles lately and I've been doing that on on a pretty fast pace, although the one I'm working on right now is (laughs) really hard. Does it have you puzzled? Um, Oh, did it? Good job. Good job, Angelique. So I actually grew up with my parents doing puzzles. My father was a huge puzzle guy. And so when I was back home in Michigan over the summer, helping my parents clean their house of 40 years of stuff, I found all their old puzzles. And it really reminded me how much I love it. And I think one of the best things about puzzles is it's problem solving. Also, I like put podcasts on. I've been listening to a lot, a lot, a lot of podcasts. So I put podcasts on and I do puzzles. So, So the one I'm doing right now is a giant picture of a bookstore. So it's like a a thousand piece image of just bookshelves. That seems awesome and crazy. Yeah, I just, it's really hard. Look, my father was a librarian and I think that sounds wonderful in theory, but also slightly panic inducing for me. So, you know, (laughs) I, I respect it. Yeah. So if you guys like puzzles and you want to watch me do puzzles, I I don't have a Twitch, but I do post on my stories on my Instagram. So you can slide over to my Insta stories uh, and it's OMG underscore DJ underscore Judy. So I'm excited to share puzzles every week on this podcast. (laughs) Look, if you have a puzzle recommendation list, I'd love to have it. And if you want to tell us about your favorite puzzle, you can email us at womenof at marvel.com or tweet us at Marvel using the hashtag Women of Marvel. And you can follow all of us too. Uh, Ellie, what's your socials? It's really complicated. It's just at Ellie Pyle on all the platforms. I'm, I need to go get a pin. Uh, Judy. <laughs> You can follow me at OMG underscore DJ underscore Judy. And I am at Angelique Roche official on the grams and Angelique Roche on Twitter. Okay, we'll see you guys all next time. This is Marvel. Your universe. So speaking of cool things to read, the Marvel Made Paragon Collection, Chris Claremont Premier Bundle, is only available until this Friday, December 4th. So you should go order now at marvelmade.net before you miss your opportunity for this really cool and very rare collectible. 
The support for this collection has been amazing. And as a way of saying thanks, we want to make this collection even better for fans that have already pre-ordered and those that have yet to do so. All right, so we're going to break this down. The Marvel Made Paragon Collection Chris Claremont Premier Bundle includes... A gorgeous oversized brand new prestige format faux leather hardcover and has 448 pages, gold gilding in the interior pages, hand numbered, signed with quotes by Chris Claremont. Look, this is amazing. There's a Ford by Louise Simonson. And Judy, look at this collection. It's amazing. Oh my God, classic X-Men stories. And that's including Chris's first X-Men story, the Dark Phoenix saga, Days of Future Past, illustrations by Frank Miller. I mean, there's so much. You guys definitely have to go check it out. It's bonkers. I mean, for anybody who's like, I want to get into the X-Men, but how do I encapsulate all of the things that Chris Claremont did? Boom. At least it's a good start. Also, as of December 1st, Marvel has just unlocked the ultimate X-Men reward, a brand new Wolverine comic book by Chris Claremont. This exclusive story ties directly into the legendary 1982 Wolverine limited series by Chris and Frank Miller, featuring a cover by iconic artist Steve McNiven. This new tale will be presented as a standalone comic book that is only available as part of the Marvel-made Paragon collection Chris Claremont Premier Bundle. So make sure that you order now and don't miss your opportunity to own this extremely rare and essential X-Men comic book. So head over now to marvelmade.net and pick this up before December 4th. You guys only have a few more days left. Women of Marvel is produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg, along with me, Ellie Pyle, Judy Stevens, and Angelique Rocher. Our development manager is Karen Heffa, and Jill Duboff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Brittany Morris. And don't forget, you can listen to this Marvel podcast on the Sirius XM app the day before it's available anywhere else. It's included in most Sirius XM subscriptions. Download the app for free today and start listening. 